Lift God up. Go ahead. Lift God up. We praise the one you were singing about. That's great. Thank you, Josh. Welcome to Bethany. My name is Tom. I got two mics. All right. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we want. Oh, oh, you think that's funny? Yeah, I was just about to do that. Kids, you can leave. God bless you. Blessed are ye who don't have to listen to the message. Go, go. It's good. They, they have another one. What we do in children, what they do in children's church is beautiful. So anyway, so glad you're here. We got a lot to do this morning. I made the coffee and I made it strong so you wouldn't doze off because I know we got a lot to go through. So let's go. All right. Uh, please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 and Ephesians 5. Put one finger in Genesis chapter 3. Put your neighbor's finger in Ephesians 5. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Roy's got one. He'll bring you one. Come on, come on. We got a couple right here. Anybody else? They're our gift to you. Read it. It'll. It, it's life. It's truth. It's great. Wonderful. We're in week three of a series that I am getting a lot out of. It's called Man Up. Man Up. And we're in week three, and we've covered a lot of ground, but it all builds on each other. So we're going to do a quick flyover of what we've done in the previous weeks. Okay. Previously on Man Up. That's what we're calling it. Okay, so in week one, we learned that God has wired us men to be warriors, okay? To go forth into battle and to, uh, to advance His kingdom and, and, and to fight the good fight of faith, right? And we're going to put on the holy armor of God. We're going to storm the gates of hell so that our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, 
can go in and set the captives free. The people that he loves, the people that we love. And we talked about the fact that men and women are different, right? We use, we Braveheart. You remember the difference between Braveheart and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants too? It's different. It's different. And we said this. We learn from God's Word that if a man does not find from God the right thing to fight for, then we will find in ourselves or in the world the wrong thing to fight against. And so it's important that we be the kind of warriors that Jesus called us to be. Okay, in week two, we talked about the fact we went into Genesis, the creation account. In, in, in chapter 2, we talked that God made man and woman in His image, both of them, okay? He made them equal but different. Equal but different. We're talking about roles and responsibilities here, right? We talked about them being different. The, the young boys, they want to go into the basement with the sheets and the blankets and build a fort. You remember? Were you with me? Okay. And they want to build it bigger and bigger and bigger. They want to knock down walls and do it into the neighbor's yard. And the girls, they get bored in general. Okay, there are exceptions. But in general, the girls get bored after the first room. They start hauling stuff into the fort, right? The pillows and the books and the cheese crackers and everything and the posters. And they divide it up in the rooms and they want to give you a tour. They're different. We're different. And so in Genesis 2, we talked about the fact that God created the world and he created it rough and rugged and untamed. And in the middle of that rough and rugged world, he put the garden, the Garden of Eden. It was perfect and it was manicured and it was beautiful. And he makes the man, he creates the man, he puts him in the middle of the garden, Adam. And he says to him essentially this. He says, make, I want you to make the rest of the world look like this. I want you to make the rest of the world look like this. And then God went and he created all the birds of the air and the animals of the field. And he, and, and he brought them before him. But in all that he had made, there was not a suitable helper for the man to be the cultivator, to be the builder that he had created him to be. Not only a warrior, but a cultivator, to be a builder. So God makes the woman, right? And he says, finally, finally, this is the helper. This is what it's going to take. For the man that I've created, that I desire to be the cultivator, that I desire to be the builder, it's going to take the woman to come alongside him and to build him up for him to be all that I created him to be. And then they were naked and they were happy and they were singing. Do you remember that? You do. You do. Okay, you're with me. Look at me now. Okay, you're here. But then came the fall and we went through this. So turn to Genesis 3. We'll take a look a little bit in, uh, in verse 17. Because God talks to Adam. We talked about this. Second part of verse 17. God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. Your life is going to be hard. Your life as a cultivator is going to be hard. Read on. Verse 18. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Whatever we do, whatever we do, and, but, and you will eat uh, the plants of the field. This is what God is saying to Adam. Your life is going to be difficult. I still call you to be a cultivator. I still call you to be a builder. But even when you as a man and you as a husband and you as a son and you ever, even when you hear my call to be what I've created you to be and do what I've called you to do and you cultivate the right things, there are times when those right things will war against you and pr produce thorns and thistles. And that's part of the fall. And that's part of our lives, the reality of our lives. But there's good news, and we're going to look at that. Let's pray. Father God, 
Lord, your truth is great. You are great. I'm not. Lord, I ask you to be great in this place. Forgive me my sins, for they are many. And I ask that you would pour through your word into the hearts of all of us and break us and put us back together in the way that only you can. Lord, I ask your blood to wash over us and forgive us to the uttermost. Let us repent for the things that we find. Let us celebrate the new life that we have in you. And Lord, I ask your spirit to be in this place and be powerful. Lord, you have a call to us as men and women and young people. We want to hear it. We long to respond to it. And we can only do that if you're here and you do it for us. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I promised you last week we got we got caught up and then we, and we postponed. And we, this is like part two of when a man loves a woman. Matt wanted me to call it. Um, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it only because it has better choreography. But we're not going to get into that. We got a lot to cover. So so. I promised you that ladies were going to talk to you about there might be something that you're doing unknowingly that is reducing, just pulling the rug out from under your chances of having the godly marriage with your husband or your future husband that you desire, that God desires. And men, we talked about two crucial things from God's word that we have to do if we're going to be the husbands that God calls us to be, that God designs us to be, that his plan needs us to be. Okay, so we're going to do that. Let's look at at, at, uh, another part of the fall. When God is not talking to Adam, he's talking to Eve. And this comes right before he talks about the thorns and the thistles. It's in verse 16, the second half. God is talking to Eve and he says, Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That doesn't sound too bad, the desire part, right? But this is one of the most tragic elements of the fall. And I need you to dial in with this, okay? Your desire. Now that word desire is used in the Hebrew. The original word is used very infrequently in the, in the Old Testament. Another place where it's used is in the next chapter, chapter 4 of Genesis, when, when God is talking to Cain and he said, sin will de- desire you, to rule over you, to manipulate and master you. That's the kind of desire we're talking about. So he's saying to Eve, you will desire to control your husband and he will rule over you. So here we have, because of the fall, because of sin being in the world, the first big power struggle between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. It is a power struggle. It is a selfishness. It's a desire for control. And that's what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> I want to give uh, some uh, credit, thanks to uh, Matt Chandler. He's a friend of Roy's, actually, uh, who, who taught these truths, and it changed the way that I understood them. And some of the things I'll be sharing with you uh, are his teachings, and I, um, I, I appreciate that very much, to be built up in that way. I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians, from Ephesians 5, and then we're going to come back and unpack that in pieces for you, okay? Stay with me. Here we go. Ephesians 5, we're going to start in the 22nd verse. Here it is. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Please don't throw anything at me. I should have patted all you ladies down before you came in. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, 
Let's get some groundwork here. Wildly unpopular idea. Politically incorrect to the max. I get it. But it is God's word. It is God's word and we can do nothing else. And and, and people who reject this teaching, it's, it's almost like, okay, God, I know you're the creator of all things seen and unseen. I know you have no beginning and no end. You have incalculable knowledge and you knit me together in my mother's womb and you created relationships, you created marriage, but um, I don't think you were thinking this through and I got a better way. And then we wonder why God doesn't bless us. Well, here's the tip. God only blesses God's will. We can't walk away from God and expect his blessing. So we want to understand what this means and apply it and live it out. And it is a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. So, so men, we're going to go to 25. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church. Let that one penetrate your heart. And gave himself up for her to make her what? Wait, he did this for who? To make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, as a beautiful church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it. He cares for it just as Christ does the church. So there is like five sermons right here. And by the end, you're going to feel like you got all five. But stay with us because the coffee was strong and so is the word. So, so let's go. God's design is this. For wives to willingly submit in love to the Christ-like loving leadership of the husband. But this is wildly unpopular. There is wildly unpopular. Because no man can lead a woman who refuses to follow. And some women just refuse to follow. I don't care who you are. You can be Barack Obama, the leader of the free world. He's leading us to a new tomorrow. But I will tell you, in the family wing of the White House, if Michelle ain't following, Obama ain't leading. That is the truth. That is the truth. And, and I told you that there are places that, that the Scripture addresses Marriage and almost always addresses the woman first, always addresses the woman first for that reason. I believe it's for that reason, because unless a wife is willing to follow, a husband can't lead. And and it's not leading in the kind of, uh, of way that we might think. And scripture is very, very, very clear that there are two kinds of women. Two kinds of wives. We're going to turn to the Proverbs. We're going to take a look at that. Proverbs 12, 4 says this. A wife of noble character, an excellent wife, is her husband's crown. Conversely here, but a graceful wife, a disgraceful wife rather, is like decay in his bones. There are two kinds of women, two kinds of wives. There is the first one who speaks life into her man, into her husband, speaks life into him. And through the Holy Spirit builds him up to be that cultivator, to be that builder, to be that warrior. She builds him up. And in so doing, she becomes the crowning glory of all that he does, all that he achieves, all that he is. That's one kind. But the scripture tells us there's another kind. But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. She is like bone cancer, one of the slowest and most painful ways to die. And he's saying this woman 
You, you ladies felt a little neglected in the man up. I, I'm getting to that now. So, so I, I, I expect to be thanked. Um, is like as painful and as deadly because she eats away at her man's masculinity and she cuts him to ribbons and she accuses and she belittles and she attacks and chisels away at him day after day after day. That's the other kind. There's two kinds. And Proverbs dogs this woman. Dogs her every chance it gets. Proverbs 21.9. Take a look at it. Better to live on a corner of the roof. On the corner of a roof. <laughs> than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Are you, are you getting this, guys? Are you getting this, ladies? <laughs> That's a dangerous thing, Tim. Don't be amen during this time. And ladies, don't get upset. We're going to beat up on the men later, okay? That's an equal opportunity message. Better live on the corner of a roof. You don't even get the whole roof. You just get a corner. And you can't move. And the neighborhood kids know this. They know you can't move. So they're shooting you with paintballs. Right? And those ugly blue and black magpies, they're dive-bombing you because they're stupid. And that's what they do. And when you go to bed, you got to wrap your legs around the satellite dish lest you fall to your death with your sleep. That, that is better. That is, no, seriously, that is better, the Scripture says, than being with a quarrelsome woman, than being with a quarrelsome wife that is constantly nagging, nagging, nagging the soul out of her man rather than speaking life into him and building him up. As if God... Did not get the point across. Ten verses later, 2119, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. Amen. Dude, you are on your own. You are on your own. Do you get this? It's better to live in the desert gyrating constantly because you've got hot sand in your shorts. Why? Because your jeans are tired o- tied over your head. You're looking through the zipper hole so that your brain does not bake and fry like a Jimmy Dean breakfast sausage. And, and what do you do during the day? You eat live scorpions, you drink cactus milk, and you sleep in the hollowed-out carcass of a camel. I'm not making this up. I saw Bear Girls do it. Man versus Wild. Check it out. TiVo it. It's good. That is better. Maybe his wife was really rough. And that's why he's doing these things. That is better than living with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife who day after day strips a man of his masculinity. Of who God called him to be. Of who God is calling him to be. Who has called you to be his helper. Ladies, if your man is not leading the way that you feel he should, the way that you need, the way your children need. I ask you to search your heart in prayer and find out if you are this woman. And if you are, repent today, today. If Women, if you are not this woman, praise God. Praise God. But pray today and every day that Satan would not turn your heart so that you become her. Young men who are not married, if your girlfriend is like this, Run like your hair is on fire. I kid you not. I kid you not. 
Because, man, if for us to man up, we need women who are in our corner helping us and praying for us and speaking life into us. And if your wife is this woman, then pray for her and love her and sacrifice for her and lovingly confront her and let her know that God has called you to be the man, to be the warrior, to be the cultivator. And that you need her. And you don't need her chiseling away and emasculating you with every word, with every look, with every disapproval. Submission is a beautiful thing. It can be. We turn it into something ugly and oppressive. But to show you how beautiful it is, I've asked two beautiful friends who've been married a long time to share with you from their perspective what that looks like in their own marriages. Alita Jacobs. I'm going to reread Ephesians. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands and everything. Um, The key phrase to me in that scripture is as to the Lord. And that's the only way that I've learned to submit to Paul. He's a wonderful husband. He loves me very well. But when he fails, (laughs) um, I can only submit to him as unto the Lord. And that gives me peace. And I feel secure and I feel protected. And I think that's how God wants us to feel as women. And that's, to me, the only way it's possible in a marriage. So, Thank you. Phyllis Shanklin is uh, going to share with us. Well, hi. I did this last service, and uh, Tom said, good stuff, make it shorter. <laughs> so I walked out there where it was quiet, and I tried to mark stuff out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hi, I'm Phyllis, and I have been married 44 years. Yes, 44 years. And the reaction I get from people Uh, makes me feel like I'm the one that needs a support group. (laughs) The responses I get are, no way. And I say, yes way. Yes way. And they say, to the same man? (laughs) Yes, to the same man. And God has a reason for that. God puts two people together and makes them one. And it's a miracle. It's wonderful. Um. Tom asked us to talk about what it was like to be in subjection to your husband, like we are to God. It's the same. He lays the plan out for us, and we need to do that. Uh, This verse truly is a message to women on how to subject themselves. And I know that this word, submit, I know we hate to hear that, but it has been abused in the past years. And I was taught that way as a young wife to submit to our husband, and struggled with it. But when I learned from that word, when I learned from my husband, and I learned from the Lord, respect to me, or su- submit to me means R-E-S-E-C-P-T, respect. And that is what it's all about. When the two of you respect each other's feelings, your hearts, your souls, your way of life, It's going to be a miracle. And that's what we're after. And God is still about doing miracles today. 
There are four things that I'd like to tell you. Uh, First of all is that uh, we seek this marriage in commitment. When we put on the rings, we commit to each other. And what I like about this is God calls it an exclusive relationship. This is exclusive. This doesn't involve anybody else. It doesn't involve looking at others, thinking about others. It's exclusive. And um, girls, we need to establish guidelines in our marriage. And the biggest one today is uh, keep faith with your husband. Never break faith with your husband. He is the number one thing in your life. And uh, we, need to, we need to do that as much as we. And men, I'm speaking to women, but lend an ear. Because this works both ways. God always has a plan. And this plan works both ways. First of all, it's about love. Love him. Love him. Love him. Deeply love him. Love him so sincerely that he won't even know what hit him. Love him to give him an opportunity to not even think about anything else. Love him from your soul and love him from your heart. The second part is accept him. Accept him for who he is. And quit trying to change him into being somebody else. He is who he is. If he's not perfect, none of us are perfect. We come to Christ every day in an imperfect world. Okay. Romans 15, 7 says, oh, uh, yeah, 15, 7. Accept one another as Christ accepted us. I mean, we, we are imperfect, but he accepted us. And number three is appreciate. Appreciate him. Uh, lift him up. Tell him how much you love him. When he stumbles, uh, don't criticize. Sympathize. Lift him up at all times. Uh, when he embarrasses himself, Still lift him up. Help him. Help him understand. Um, And tell him about something that you really love about him. There's got to be something in him, on him, about him, that you absolutely adore. For me, it was CL's forearms. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I make him wear long sleeves so nobody else can see them. Okay? And also it's about um, doing things with him. You know, whatever he likes to do, find out what he likes to do. Uh, CL still thinks to to this day that I love wandering through car lots on Sunday after church. He thinks I love that. And don't you tell him any different. (laughs) So there's many things that we have to do with our husband. But that's not where we want to be. But that's where God wants us to be. And the last one is to affirm him. Lift him up. A strong marriage doesn't happen by accident. It takes time. It takes time. And it takes, yes, more time. So be patient. Be patient. They always tell you it's the first two to five years that are the hardest in marriage. Well, the first two years were tough, and I decided... (laughs) This is it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to be the wife because I'm tired of this. I mean, it gets old after a while. You have to become one or you're at odds with each other. And, men, I'm sure you don't want to live on the corner of the roof. No. Okay. Um, Establish your guidelines 
And if you're having problems in your marriage today, it's probably not about lack of love or that you've fallen out of love. It's about selfishness. If you really look in your heart of hearts, it's because you're not thinking your needs are being felt. So take it personal. Take it to God. It's about not you, but it's about God. God has the perfect answer. And I, uh, I studied a scientific uh, survey I read this week, and it was done to discover what day of the week men like to make love. So this is very scientific. So I may, you may take notes, girls. This is very important. And they discovered that they like to, on the days that begin with T, okay, Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. (laughs) Thank you. God bless you. Woo! Yeah, get steamy in here. I want to thank Alita and Phyllis. And they are godly. These are strong, gifted, bright, promising, accomplished, beautiful women. You know, nobody has anything on these ladies. And, and they understand this. I would, I, would, I would say if you're not married and, and you don't have a, a, a father and a mother or, or friends of your family that have a, a marriage that works the way God ordained it, get alongside a couple in, in this church or another church that, that, that does and study them and take after them. It's beautiful because it's not being under your husband's thumb. It's being under his protection and his provision and his prayer covering and under his banner, which the Bible says over me is love. And that is, it is a beautiful thing. And the man being in front means that he confronts the enemy first. And he does battle. And if somebody's going down, it's going to be him. And it means he will walk through the fire so you don't have to. It is a beautiful thing. And just like women can pull the plug on it, men, we are so good at getting stupid on this. The only reason that women are afraid of being doormats is because too many of us have messed it up. Too many of us have messed it up. Two big ideas from husbands. We'll move quickly. Here's the first. We'll pick Ephesians 5 up in verse 21. Let's do it. 25, rather. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Let that penetrate your soul for a second. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Your job as a husband is to lift her up and to make her the beautiful, accomplished, glorified, holy woman of God that that he created her to be. And so you ask the question, how did God love the church? How did Jesus love the church? And we start unpacking that. He came for her. And he dwelt with her. And he spoke life into her. And he suffered for her. And he sacrificed his throne for her. And he died for her. He let his body be ripped apart for her. And then he rose again and gives her life. That's how Christ loved the church. And that's the, the love that women are called to submit to. And men, if we loved our women that way, submission would not be an issue. It wouldn't be an issue near as much as it is. And here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. 
Here's the kicker where we're going to spend a little bit of time. He does it all not because the bride of Christ asks for it or deserves it or even desires it. He initiates it on his own. Think about Christ coming to earth. The bride was not hanging around waiting, saying, Oh, Jesus, if you get a chance, I could use some saving here. No, the bride was not saying, Oh, Jesus, I'm going to love you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to write some really cool worship songs on the acoustic guitar that repeat the same phrase 47 times for you. And I'm going to do everything you say. I'm going to go everywhere you lead. No, the bride was not saying that. The bride could care less about God in the flesh. She was in love with her own sin and didn't even realize she needed a savior. The bride could care less. In fact, she wanted a Messiah who was going to set her free from Roman occupation, not that was going to sacrifice himself on a bloody cross to set her free from her sins. And yet he gave, he gave, he initiated when it was not wanted, when it was not appreciated, when it was not received and accepted. He gave men. You are to be initiators whether of her blessing, whether your wife desires it, whether she notices it, whether she appreciates it, because Christ did that for the church. Christ did that for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, spitting on him. If you listen to Josh's song, Christ died for us. That's what we're talking about. You initiate. You initiate as warriors the fight for healing in your wife's life. The fight for wholeness in her life. You say, what does that look like? Well, the Bible is really clear. The Bible is really clear that one of the things as a married couple that you cannot do is go to bed angry, right? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. And how many times do we do this, right? We go to bed and, 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 and she's facing this way and you're facing that way. And she does the tuck and roll with the covers. So you're, you're cold and, and you're, you're, you're sitting there and you've had this fight and you're saying, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't know what I do for her. She doesn't acknowledge me. She doesn't build me up. In the meantime, blah, 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 blah. She's doing the same thing in her head. He doesn't love me. He doesn't know what he's got here. He doesn't. And, I, and the root of bitterness, it grows down between you. It keeps growing down and you drill it down. You drill it down because you leave it there. And what, the, what, what, what we need to do is at all costs, with everything in us, we need to fight for that reconciliation. Fight for our wife's wholeness. Fight for her godliness. Fight for forgiveness. That's what we have to do. You say, Burgraff, you don't know who I married. I've seen your wife. She's pretty. She's sweet. She sings real nice. She smells good. But you don't know the wife I married. In fact, yesterday I saw her. I saw fire shoot from her eyes and engulf a puppy. And it was just burning and burning. It doesn't matter. Biblically, I tell you, here's what you need to do. You're facing this way. She's facing that way. It falls on you to be the initiator, to be the initiator. Man, you are to roll over and touch her shoulder and say, sweetheart, sweetheart, I am. I'm sorry. I know you're angry and I'm angry. But before we go to sleep, I need to tell you, I'm not okay with things not being okay between us. And so I want I want to apologize for my part. 
And just leave it there. Just leave it there. You know, even if you are 99.999% innocent, it falls on you. Honey, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for my 0.0001%. Okay, maybe I wouldn't use numbers. But, but, but I would apologize and leave it there. It's not, honey, um, Shri, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't act like the man God called me to be. I didn't, uh, I didn't love you as I'm called to love you. I didn't seek to understand you. I was selfish. And I just want to be forgiven. Now, do you have anything you'd like to say maybe? Because I was thinking that maybe there might be something that you wanted to say also. No? No? Let I take it back. <laughs> no, that's it. You initiate. That's it. Initiate the fight. The second big thing. Let's keep reading. Here it is. Don't miss this. Verse 28. Same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body. He feeds. He nourishes it. And he cares for it. He cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church. Let's talk about this. I want to try to explain the concept of loving yourself. And not all of you are like me. Not all of you tonight will stand in front of the bathroom mirror and say, you are something. <laughs> you, really should, you really should be an underwear model. Now, I say that. Some of you guys, maybe not. It's okay. It's okay. We're, we're imperfect people. My imperfections are somewhere else, I guess. But what does it mean to love yourself, your own body? It means you're aware. It means you're aware of your feelings. It means you're aware of your hurts. If you cut yourself, you stop the bleeding. If you're hungry, you feed yourself. You nourish yourself. If you're tired, you go to sleep. Some of you want to do that right now. I'm getting you out of here, I promise. Man up. It's, you know, stay awake. Um... Do that same thing for your wife. Understand her until her hurts become her, your hurts, until her needs become your needs, until her fears become the call of God on your life to stand up and man up and do battle with that thing that is bringing her heartache. Sacrifice, 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 nourish, nourish. To nourish in the Bible, in many cases, it is used, it says feed here. For the image of a parent nourishing, feeding their children. Men, another wildly unpopular idea. You are called to be the physical provider and nourisher for your family, for your wife. Now, I know there are times in our lives where that gets turned on its head. She's putting you through school. You lose a job. Uh, there are other circumstances. You get sick. But. On the whole, men, you are called to physically provide, financially provide for your family. If you are sitting on your couch day in and day out, mastering World of Warcraft number five and watching Jerry Springer and old Sports Center reruns, while your wife is out working to support the family, you're living in sin. And I'm not here to say that God hasn't called some, some of you women into the workplace. And that, that's not the point. I'm talking about lazy men who don't get the call of God. Get up, man up off the couch and go out and find something and support your family. The other part is not just physical and financial, it's spiritual. 
We are to nourish our wife spiritually. We are to nourish our families spiritually. It falls on the man. The man will be the one who stands before God for to give account of how he nourished his wife spiritually. He has to ask her, what is God doing in your life? And, and nourish that and encourage that and pray for that. It falls upon the man to pull a family together to go to church to be nourished. It falls upon the man to pull a family together for prayer, not just when tragedies happen, but every day to pull your family together. It falls upon the man to open up the Word of God in your house. And maybe you, maybe you don't know a whole lot. So read it. What does that mean to you? Good. Let's pray. Start there. But it falls upon the man. It falls upon the man. And men, we're falling down. So many of us are falling down. And here's why, I believe. Because you can't feed when you're starving to death yourself. Man, we've got to start making God the priority. Because it's not just for us. It's for the women we love. It's for the families we love. It's for the children we're raising. Because we will stand accountable. So we at this church, we have small group after small group. For men. For young men. For older men. We have the breakfast uh, at, at Mario's. The men's breakfast, 630. It's free. Come. We sharpen each other. We build each other up so that we can be the men God called us to be. The responsibility falls on the man. You look, you look at just after the fall. I won't read it, but let me, let me play it out for you. Adam is in the garden and he sinned, right? And Jesus is walking around. It is Jesus. You know, he's walking around. He goes, where is Adam? Adam, where are you, buddy? It's not because Jesus doesn't know where Adam is. He doesn't think, well, maybe he's on the corner of the roof. No, and it's not because... Jesus doesn't know that Adam and Eve have both fallen. Here's what it is. He looks for Adam because he is responsible for the spiritual leadership of their marriage. And he fell down. And since then, we've been prone to fall down. So, man, we need to answer the call. We're responsible. We're responsible. How do you cherish your wife? You'd be around. You'd be around. Make her a priority. He said the weaker vessel. Peter talks about that. It's the precious vessel. You're dealing with gold filigree, crystal, porcelain. It is valuable. So we speak gently. We speak encouragement. We speak motivation. We speak holiness and blessing. If you're walking around the house, quote Bible verses at her, thus saith the Lord, bring me a beer. No, you're out. Love her. Encourage her, build her up, lift her up. What has Christ done for you? Do that. Do that. Intimacy for men is hard and we run from it. And that's why we don't engage in those things that are going to build our wives up. And here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy. We run away from that which we fear. We fear intimacy. We fear getting real, even with the woman we're going to spend the rest of our life with. So here's how it plays out in too many households. Gets late at night. The woman gets tired. She goes to bed. She goes to bed alone. The husband sits on the couch and watches reruns of Sports Center five times, six times. Then he ends up on his computer, lusting after images of women who are not his wife, and putting these images in his mind from a screen of a naked woman. When in all reality, You have one in the next room who is craving your tenderness and your understanding and your love. 
How twisted is that? How wrecked is that? Go to that place. Go to that place in your heart. Because when we realize, as I'm realizing, what a mess we've made of this whole thing. When I realize what a screw up, what a sinner I am. Jesus shows up as a greater savior than I could ever imagine. That is the gospel. We're worse than we thought. But his grace and his mercy are so much bigger. Love and nourish and cherish your wife. Just going to close. Speak to the ladies real quick. Say this. Your marriage preaches a message. Every marriage preaches a message. If you're not married yet, take note. We are called to preach the gospel with our marriages. We submit to Christ. And in his great love, he lifts us up. He brings us life. Is your marriage preaching that gospel? Or is it preaching another message? It's not just for us. It's for generations. It's for the glory of God. Ladies, don't demand this of your husband. Don't on the ride home play the Holy Spirit. Say, do you hear what Tom said? Do not do it. It will not go well for you. No, because men, you need to be, listen, encourage him over the next week or so. I'll beat up on him, okay? I usually like it to go the other way, but you do this, okay? Speak life into him. If he tries to initiate and you shoot him down, you'll wreck it. And we can be fragile. We really can. Especially things we're afraid of. So you build him up. Build him up. Ladies, you have incredible power with your words. You really do. If one of you ladies comes up to me after this and says, you preach too long, I hate your message, I hate your preaching, and I think I hate you. (laughs) I'm likely to say, well, for you, I'm thinking New Song Church. Chris Lucagay's the pastor there. He's a friend of mine. He does a great job. I'll give you directions. I'll drive you there. Um, basically, you're not going to be able to say anything. No, I, I'll be happy to talk to you if you've got a question about the word or the way it's been explained. I always do that. But you're not going to say anything that's going to keep me up tonight. However, if Cherie is cutting and hurtful and spiteful, and makes a comment that is mean and vicious and tears me up. I'm speaking hypothetically here. You know that, right? Yes. It will suck the life out of me. It will literally suck the life out of me. Women, you have this power over your husband. Use it well. Because when you come up alongside him and you say, I love how you do this for me. I love how you do this for our family. I respect you for this. I'm so proud of you. He will feel like he can move a mountain. He can fly. Your words are powerful. Use them well. Ladies, if you have a man, speak life into him. Speak life into him until he becomes the man God made him to be. And we'll need our entire lives and the step into eternity to do that. So we're in this for life. Single ladies, all the single ladies. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of it. Yeah, I got to wake wake you up. I know we kept you here a long time, but God bless you. Single ladies, my 
hope and prayer is that you would seek a man and not just a male. That you would seek a man of God. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Here's this. You deserve what God, God desires for you to be loved this way. And a man can't love you like Jesus if he doesn't love Jesus. Because none of us can do it on our own. Jesus got to love you through us to reach that level. Have your crushes. I want you to marry a hottie. I do. But in that definition, may he be on fire for the Lord. Because there's coming a day. We prayed for a young man. Do you know his life? His life changed in an instant. There is coming a time for all of us when it will make complete sense. Let that be now rather than at the time when it's too late. Seek out a man, not just a male. I mean that for my daughter. I mean that for all of you. And then all of us would be those men. (laughs) Single men, take a note. The way you treat your girlfriend is the way you treat your wife. If you are not sacrificing for her and serving her and leading her and praying with her and building her up. Ladies, if your boyfriend isn't doing that for you now, don't think something's going to happen when he puts a ring on it. The way you treat your girlfriends, your lady friends, is the way you will treat your wife. Get ready. Men, I want you to listen. Look at me. If you're not married... Do not only do not only look for the woman that you want to live the rest of your life with. Don't leave it there, or you'll end up a statistic. You find the woman that every day you would sacrifice for, you would suffer for, you would hang on a cross for. You find that girl. You find that woman and you marry her. Because that is what we're called to. And nothing short of it. There's no room for selfishness on any of these. Submission, no selfishness. Loving wife, Christ, no selfishness. It's not a doormat. You're not becoming a doormat. Your husband should be underneath you washing your feet. We need to come to God because without him, we're going to fail. Each and every one of us. Whether we end in divorce or not. But Jesus is so much more merciful and so much more gracious than we ever imagined.